And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys had a fantastic weekend. Uh, great show for you today. I was joined by my brother, Greg Price. Always a great time talking to Greg. We talked about uh, DeSantis versus Disney and uh, the, the limp-wristed old guard Republican response, which is as frustrating as you would imagine it, it would be. Uh, we talked about Elon Musk apparently buying Twitter today. Uh, looks like that might actually happen, and we discussed the ins and outs of that, uh, and a bunch more. I think you guys will enjoy it. Before I get to Greg, guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to subscribe. If you're an iTunes user, please take a couple seconds to leave us a five-star rating and a good review. I'd really appreciate that. And if you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Greg Price. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Greg Price. Greg, how you been, man? Been good, man. Good to be back on with you. Yeah, boy. So, uh, yeah, man, a, a lot of stuff to talk about today. We got to start with the the Ron DeSantis versus Disney news cycle. And this news cycle has, is both awesome and frustrating at the same time. I mean, like, where it counts, it's been great. Like, it's awesome in terms of policy. DeSantis has laid out the blueprint for every single elected Republican in the country to follow, and I think a lot of them are going to. I mean, you see, like, Glenn Youngkin in, in Virginia following suit in a lot of ways. And, like, just in the last couple weeks, man, like, DeSantis banned critical race theory in schools. He protected four- to eight-year-olds from sexual grooming by Democrats. And he punched Disney in the mouth, removing their tax-exempt status after they made it their public mission to groom kids and attack Republicans in the press. So, I mean, like, the dude's the best elected Republican we've had in decades, in my opinion. And, um, I mean, before we get to the, the frustrating part, like, what do you think about DeSantis just crushing the hopes and dreams of Democrats on a daily basis? Yeah, I think if you, you think about uh, the last 30 years of Republican politics and this one guy, DeSantis, comes along and in three years he's done more than any Republican has in three decades. And it really makes you think, what the hell have Republicans been doing since 2000 when he just on a daily basis is delivering wins for us and so easily, too? Yeah. And it's like you see, you know, his colleagues. I mean, someone like Youngkin has been. Like, I, you know, obviously that's your, your home state right now in Virginia. Like, I didn't, I don't know, just like I I endorsed him on the show and everything, and I was super happy to do one. I, I didn't think that Yunkin would be as good as he's been. But you see a lot of, like, a lot of Republicans that you think would be good on a lot of these things who are just terrified to fight back. And it's like, I think DeSantis, you know, I, like the weak types, like I, I they might be beyond saving, but I think DeSantis will inspire like a new generation of Republican governors and just, you know, elected officials everywhere. But you see like like Christy Nome and where is she? South Dakota, North South Dakota, I think. Yeah. Like, you know, she refused to like protect women's sports and stuff because she was scared of the NCAA. You see uh, what's his name? Cox in Utah, just like constantly betraying you know, Republican voters in that, in like the reddest state in the country. And it's like, man, I really hope people take notice of DeSantis. Like you don't, as a Republican, you don't have to be this like limp wristed, <laughs> like ridiculous t- little yeah. like 
beaten, you know, this red-headed stepchild beaten hiding in the closet. You know what I mean? Because the press hates you so much. Like you can stand yeah. up for your principles. Yeah, I mean, it needs to be it needs to be a lesson for Republicans going forward, which is when you win an election and you're given majorities in your legislature, you have a mandate and you have the ability to use government power in an effective way to help your side and to crush the enemy and to do right by your voters. And that's exactly what you should do. And Ron DeSantis understands that better than any Republican in America with how, how to wield government power effectively. Glenn Youngkin understands that a lot too. And that's, he's done that as well. And I think, you know, the, the stuff he's doing with Disney, but also what he did with redistricting, the fact that oh yeah, we saw in redistricting across the country, Republicans just like caving. Yeah. And Democrats gain had, had got huge gains across the country in redistricting that just got wiped out by Ron DeSantis's new maps yeah. because he had the power to do it and he did it. And that's exactly like, and Republicans have to understand that. Like if, if you have the power to do something that helps your side and you know, doesn't help and, you know, destroys the left, then do it. That's what that's what your voters want. And you shouldn't be afraid of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, uh, Doug Ducey down in Arizona is another good example of a guy who maybe I didn't have as high hopes for as as some others. But he's like following the DeSantis playbook. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like he's he's you know, he's signed a bunch of this stuff into law as well. But like on the other side, man, the frustrating part of this is the the backlash from some of the the limp-wristed people on the right. I mean, like the the stand athwart history doing nothing as the Democrats tell your kids to chop their dicks off. Conservatives are just the worst, man. Like these people are the worst. My goodness. I mean, there's like there's quite literally no hill that a lot of these quote-unquote conservatives will die on. Like there's nothing. Like if you can't stand up to transgender propaganda for four-year-olds. Just go, and I'm not exaggerating, man. Like that—that's what they're doing. That's what they're defending. It's like just go away. Like quit, quit, quit politics. Go work on a farm. Build some character. Figure out why at age 50 you're still not a man. I mean, like my goodness, man. What? Why on earth did God give us as men the ability to run fast and punch hard and lift heavy stuff? If not, if not to protect women and children. You know what I mean? It's like it's not that you're not a, a conservative or a Republican or whatever. It's like you're not a man. It's like, what are these? What are these people doing? And there's, it's mostly like the establishment conservative types, but there are, dude, there's libertarians saying this nonsense too. Like, oh, DeSantis, he he violated the Constitution by, by what? By what? By not giving a multinational corporation special privileges? Like that doesn't, like that's the dumbest argument I've ever heard in my entire life. I mean, the the big problem is, you know, the, the, there there's a lot of money, you know, there's a lot of money. And a lot of, you know, institutional power, I guess, around shaping the narrative of conservatism from so-called conservative ink. And, you know, when you go up through, you know, whatever conservative organization you grew up in, you're taught to view it through the through the lens of the Constitution and through the lens of limited government as an absolute. And that's a mistake. It's It's a big mistake because politics is not, a, you know, there's nothing principled about it. There's nothing nice about it. There's no, it's, it's dirty stuff. And we should be teaching conservatives to view politics through the lens of power and using power effectively and using power to help your side win. But, but we don't do that. And, you know, at this point, you know, the national reviews bulwarks of the world are, I think they're just being paid a lot of money by people to make the conservative case for increasingly ridiculous things. 
and they're just completely helpless at this point. I mean, you're right, but I don't even think you need to go that far. I mean, like, it doesn't—the argument doesn't make sense. I mean, it's like— Yeah, it doesn't make sense. There's no, like, constitutional violation here at all. Like, it's not—like, there is no, like, government abuse of power argument to be made whatsoever. No, yeah, you're absolutely right, which is why you got to think to yourself, why why are they doing it? Why, you know, why is— yeah, well, it's I mean, not, it's not, it's, that's, it's part, of, that's part of it. But also I think they're being paid by some, like, you know, I think they make a lot of money. Yeah. Well, whoever's donating to them wants them to make these arguments and they make a lot of money doing it probably. And at the end of the day, I think they're just doing it for money. I don't, I don't think they're principled at all. I don't even think they're, they're, they have no use to the right. They just get paid to write these arguments by people, by people, probably big money in, in establishment liberal circles. Yeah. That's my guess. Because it would make no sense otherwise. Like, how, there's, it does, none, none of the arguments that they make make sense. That's my only explanation for why they would be doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, that, that would, that's certainly, that's probably the most plausible explanation. I mean, it's either, it's either that, you're right, and it's just follow the money, or these people are just consumed by hatred of people like us. You know what I mean? And people like Trump, you know, like, well, that's probably a big, I mean, yeah, that's probably a big part of it too. With a lot of these people, with a lot of, you know, the so-called intellectual conservative movement. But like, you know, I think people like Charles Cook from national review, I think they're smarter that they, I think they know better. They're not idiots. I don't think. No. And which is why I think, you know, they just, it's, it's, it's what they get paid to do. Yeah. Cause like, they're not, they're not morons. And I don't think, and they're, and you know, they're good on a lot of issues. Like they're not bad on every issue, but you know, we need to be, we need, we just need to unite at this point against, you know, loserdom in the conservative movement that wants to, to lose, but, but do it principally. Right. Like, we need, like at this point, if you don't understand, like if you don't understand the, the threats to this country that we're up against and what we need to do to stop them, like you just shouldn't be taken seriously at this point. If Lose, after, losing, after, you know, losing conservatively is isn't as dangerous if you're talking about like oh we want the top corporate tax rate to be 37% and the democrats want it to be 41%. Bro, they're going after kids, man. Like they're trying, they're trying to indoctrinate 4-year-old kindergartners into this like perverse, you know, like gender ideology. Like guys, this isn't some like minor policy point that you debate on C-SPAN. Like this they're going after your kids. It's like if you, like as a grown man, if you won't stand up for children, like what are you good for? Like I just don't, I don't know, man. It's like they, they view everything in the in the realm of like politics. Some of these things, it's just, it's it's right and wrong, man. It's good and evil. Like I, I'm sorry, but it is that simple sometimes. Yeah, the that is. These people can't see it. It's just, it's frustrating. No, that is the battle today. It is a battle against good and evil. I think it's a spiritual war in many ways. And, it, you know, it's a war for our country and what kind of country we want to be. And, you know, DeSantis understands that and he takes that seriously, which is why if a major corporation is going to, you know, ad- advertise the fact that they're indoctrinating children into their disgusting views, he's not going to, you know, just sit there and take it quietly. He's going to make them pay a nine figure tax burden in his state, which is exactly what every Republican should be doing. If a corporation that makes a lot of money in your state decides to do that, to decides to declare war on, on America's kids. And it's nothing to do with freedom of speech. It's not like he's like a, sending the cops to arrest these people. I mean, my goodness. And like just from the like from the libertarian side, because there are some libertarians bitching and moaning about this too. Like, dude, like I don't believe in government. 
Okay, like I believe every company, in fact, every person should be their own country and be exempt from paying taxes. Okay, but the only thing worse than all of us paying taxes is all of us except for one giant multinational corporation who's made it their mission to groom kids and destroy the Republican Party. Okay, you know, like this doesn't even make sense. Like the from the libertarian side, it makes no sense either. Like DeSantis was right to wreck these degenerates. Good for him. DeSantis is on the right side of history, and, and David French and all these morons are on the sidelines where they always are. Maybe that's where they belong, man. That's where they're comfortable making their money, writing their articles, and, you know, whatever. Just get out of our way, man. Yeah. Get out I mean, of my I, way. And I just and don't I, have time for these people anymore. And we talk about it, but at the end of the day, I don't think anybody takes those people seriously. I don't think they have any – they don't have any power no. at this point over, into, you know, the, where the GOP is going, and they never will again. And it's so funny, man, that they maintain power within the GOP for that long. It's like no wonder the Republicans were just hapless for decades. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. You know like, what I mean? You got to think about think about the GOP like in 2004 to 2009. You know, Nicole Wallace. We know her today as crazy Nicole Wallace on MSNBC. Right. She was the White House comms director for George W. Bush. Yeah. And then you think about. Steve Schmidt from the Lincoln Project, Reed Galen from the Lincoln Project, those absolutely insane people. They were the ones running John McCain's campaign yeah. in 2008. Yeah. Nicole Wallace was also John McCain's chief spokesman during the 2008 campaign. You know, all yeah. of these people who are now just like crazy, you know, they're insane and they go on TV and they make a lot of money by telling liberals on MSNBC exactly what they want to hear. Two decades ago, they were the ones running the GOP. Yeah. And, it's, and, you know, so, of course, we never the GOP, we always lost. We were losing for 30 years because we had absolutely ridiculous people running our party. And the greatest thing that Donald Trump ever did was he exposed to people in a major way how much the GOP was failing them. Yeah. And how much the establishment GOP was, you know, screwing over their voters every year. And that was yeah, the greatest man. thing he ever did. And the, the Democrats for decades were putting up these formidable knife fighters. These brawlers, you know what I mean? And we were putting up Mitt Romney. You know, it's yeah. like no, like no one. And we were putting up Steve Schmidt and Jonah Goldberg. And these, it's like that. That those were the people that were fighting our battles for us. Like no wonder we got trucked for twenty years. Like are you kidding me? Like Obama was really good at this, man. He's smart. He has no morals at all. So he's not bound by things like decency or right and wrong. And we we put up Mitt Romney. You know, it's like, yeah, man, no wonder. No wonder we got wrecked over and over and over. Yeah, like and so Romney, many people got comfortable getting wrecked every two years. Like, it's, yeah, man, those days are over. Thank yeah, God. No, no, Trump turned the GOP into a party that expects you to, to fight for them. And that was one of the greatest things he ever did. If you don't fight for voters at this point, if you're not willing to, you know, even get down and dirty sometimes, you have no place in the GOP going forward, and you shouldn't. Because the threats to our country are too grave today to, you know, surrender to take the advice of the loser caucus Absolutely. on the right. Absolutely. Elon Musk apparently is buying Twitter today. <laughs> I'll be honest, man. Obviously, we've covered this on the show quite a bit, but in the back of my head, I just kind of didn't think uh, it was ever going to happen. I, I figured, I mean, still, like, the SEC could step in and, and just try to, like, mess this whole thing up. You never know what extents the government, you know, Joe Biden's regime will, will, will you know, exercise to try to stop this from happening but it, it does look like this is going to happen he has the funding secured uh apparently twitter's board is reconsidering his original offer um more is coming out uh, hopefully this afternoon but uh, i mean apparently twitter's board realized that their shareholders were pretty upset that they, <laughs> they rejected a buyout with something like a 38 percent premium um 
Yeah, man. It looks like, uh, you know, Twitter shareholders are about to get rich and we might just get a little bit of a uh, free speech back on the bird site. Yeah, no, it's very exciting. And I didn't think I didn't think it would happen. Like I thought, you know, the powers that be behind Twitter who see it as a vehicle for information control would fight to the death to keep Elon Musk from buying it. But it's, uh, you know, you know, I guess I guess if you're if you're going to deliberately dilute the shares of your company and just completely fuck over your shareholders to ensure that free Twitter remains not a free speech platform, but a vehicle for information control. I guess eventually your shareholders will get pissed off at you enough and you have to, you have to um, back down. No, but it's, it's really, it's a really exciting thing. I can't guarantee that Twitter will be perfect with Elon Musk running it, but I think it will definitely be better than the people who are running it now. And I think, you know, the biggest thing he has to do in addition to, hopefully unbanning all the conservatives that were unfairly censored is I think the big, the biggest way he could fix Twitter is by putting out a clear and public um, system for content moderation yes. because content moderation is still important. You can't just, you know, there are things obviously death threats, yeah, you know, death so, threats, yeah. you know, porn, child porn, things like that. You can't, you can't like a completely free and open Twitter is obviously not right. It, because like there's crap like that that could be in there. You need a you know a public and transparent system of con- how you're going to moderate content. Because the biggest problem is Twitter would weaponize its methods of content moderation in order to launch their politically motivated censorship campaigns. Yeah. And you know, and so you know, I as I said, and like I said, I you know I can't guarantee it'll be perfect, but it'll certainly be better than the status quo. And I'm looking forward to all the liberals who. Uh, leave Twitter and then come back in a week after this happens. Oh, it, I'd say 48 hours. A week is, you're giving yeah. them a lot. I, I don't think they have that kind of intestinal fortitude to last a week, man. I think you're giving <laughs> our friends on the left a lot of credit. But like, man, the reaction to this, and it's the exact same, it's the exact same reason as, as the reaction to the DeSantis stuff, is that like, man, the Democrats haven't lost in a long time. I don't mean just like electorally. Like even when Trump was president for four years, like, the Democrats didn't lose any ground on anything. I mean, like Trump got a tax cut through, which was great. But like, you know, the the deep state and, and the Democrats made sure that Trump didn't accomplish much, much. They you know, framed him for Russian collusion. The press rigged the next election with censorship online. Um, and the Democrat I mean, the Democrats are so entrenched in these bureaucracies that they were never in any trouble. And now they are a little bit. You know what I mean? Like that's like they're freaking out because they're they're just losing just a tiny bit of control over the narrative. And, you know, DeSantis and others learned how to fight back. People like Elon challenging the status quo. And, like, the funniest thing to me, man, is that, like, let's say everything DeSantis signed into law is never challenged in court and it all goes into effect. Let's say Elon Musk today, on Monday the 25th of April, buys Twitter and takes it private. It's like the left still controls, like, 97% of our culture. (laughs) And, And bureaucracies, you know what I mean? And they're freaking out about the 3%. Like... If they don't, contr- they desire absolute power and will stop at nothing less. Yeah, no, and it's 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 really wild when you think about it. You know, the fact that they also complain all the time about Fox News as if it's like a problem that there's literally one channel on television that doesn't blindly repeat institutional Democrat talking points. It's like how much it's it's like these are the pe- and like I said, these are the people we're dealing with. We're dealing with people who want power who and will and will stop at nothing to get power and. And, you know, we need a GOP and we need a conservative movement that will be ready, that's ready to fight back against that. And, you know, 
but yeah, it'll be interesting um, to see what Elon Musk does with it. Like, and you know, it'll be interesting to see if we see Donald Trump on Twitter soon enough, and you know, all the other all the other people who got who got unfairly suspended. But I think, you know, after the last election when we saw Twitter, you know, absolutely, you know, we saw social media rig the game for Joe Biden by censoring the laptop story. You know, that's hope. You know, that's the biggest thing that we have to that social media can't do in the future, and it also. It shouldn't distract – like Elon Musk buying Twitter also shouldn't distract from you know the reforms to Section 230 and antitrust enforcement that should be done in Congress. Though the, I think those are still important whether or not Elon Musk you know t- turns Twitter back into the you know the 2014 to 2016 free speech platform that it was. I think that that shouldn't be lost sight of either. The polling that was done right after the 2020 election, I, I don't know if it was by Rasmussen or by Trafalgar. It was, it was one of the, the, you know, the more accurate polls that, if anything, will lean a point or two towards Republicans. might have been Trafalgar Group. Um, but they, they did the polling around um, polling Democrats and explaining the Hunter Biden laptop story and asking if they would still vote for Joe Biden. And enough, they found that enough Democrats said oh, no that it would have flipped you know, the election. And that you know, piece of information, what, what's that? Go ahead. I said that poll was actually done by the Media Research Center, my, oh, where I it? used to where I used to work. Yeah, they did oh, it with okay. a with a polling company in a bunch of key swing states. Yeah, yeah, and it showed that in every single one of these swing, it was like Georgia, Ohio, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, I think, maybe North Carolina, and uh, and Florida, and they. Uh, Every single one of them showed that enough Democrats would not have pulled pulled the lever for Joe Biden. And that piece of information it, it is burned into the minds of every Democratic operative right now. I mean, that scared them, and justifiably so, man. If I, if we were Democratic operatives, that would keep us up at night um, because they cannot win. They can't win elections if Republicans are allowed to speak freely. That those that poll from media—I didn't know that was Media Research Center. That's that's awesome. But um. Like they they learned the, a valuable lesson, and nothing's nothing's worse than when Democrats learn lessons because they become even they double down on their viciousness. Um, but yeah, man, they 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 cannot win elections. I mean, their electoral strategy is centered around censoring our side. They know they can't win without it. So it's like the the outrage is a little bit justifiable if you understand if if you understand where they're coming from. Yeah, and I've said this on the show before, I think, which is that. The biggest difference between the left and the right in this country is that the left has to lie in order to get what they want. Right. They have to lie and they have to censor their opponents because if people knew the truth of what the left wanted to do in this country without the spin from the media or without the censorship on social media, no, very few people would ever vote for Democrats again because their ideas are just that unpopular. So they have to lie in order to get power. They have to lie to get what they want. And any what anything that threatens the ability for them to do that you know obviously they'll come out and fight tooth and nail against it and elon i think elon musk owning twitter will be one of the biggest blows to that because you know the trump movement in 2016 never would have happened i think without social media i think social media was one of the most effective tools was not even one he was it was the most effective tool that donald trump used he you know it was a way that he could communicate with people without going through the spin of the media or any or anything else, and you know, the reason they stepped up their campaign of censorship after the 2016 election is because it was it was it's a genuine threat to the left's power when people can speak freely about ideas, you know, without censorship and without spin. Yeah, yeah, 
That's absolutely right. I mean, you have to think if if this deal gets done, Trump's coming back, right? I mean, that had, and like Babylon B, a lot of these accounts, like yeah. I'm, I mean, you'd have to think that yeah, would be I mean, like priority number one. Yeah, I, I hope so. I I just I just wonder how because because the re, you know there's there's that whole process with like the the board and whatever, and they spent months like deliberating whether, and it's obviously <laughs> a bunch of liberals who are never going to give him his account back in the first place. Right. But it, yeah, I mean, I hope he comes back. I hope Charlie Kirk comes back. I hope Juanita Broder comes back. I hope Emerald Robinson, and you know, and all and everybody else that got. And I hope Alex Jones comes back. I think everybody, you know, all the people who got unfairly, you know, the Krasensteins can come back too. Give them their accounts back. Dude, I totally you know? forgot about them. I we need them yeah. back. Like honestly, like I think they got. I think they like actually broke a rule though. I think they they were operating like fake accounts. Oh, but sure. but you know all the people that just got unfairly suspended should come back and I hope and you know I you know I can't say that, that I can't say they will but we'll see. I will say this and you might you're I you're probably you can tell me why I'm wrong cuz I'm I'm sure you disagree with me on this. But if Trump does run for president again, I think the best thing for him would be to just not be on the internet at all. I mean like cuz and it's not because he's saying anything wrong or anything like that. It's that one, he'll, the entire focus would be on 2020 when that's the focus should be on the horrific policies of Joe Biden. And then also like, it's just, I don't know, white women, white suburban women are just never going to come back around on Trump and him tweeting is just going to just make it worse. (laughs) You know what I mean? In the suburbs. And that's like, I'm not saying that's, that's not Trump's fault. It's the dumb white women's fault for valuing nice tweets over like, you know, Peace the ability and prosperity, to, <laughs> you know, yeah, like the ability economic, to afford the economy, gas, yeah, the ability to eat food and drive your car, you know. So I'm not saying that's Trump's fault, but it's like I don't, I don't care whose fault it is. I care about winning elections. So it's like if he is gonna run again, like just stay off Twitter, man. Like just pull the Joe Biden campaign from your basement. Let Biden Alzheimer's it up on television every day, and then you just you know win the presidency. If Trump doesn't run again, then he should absolutely be on Twitter because it's hilarious and it provides us a lot of entertainment. So that's kind of my take. So why am I wrong about that? Um, you know, that's not a bad take. I think, you know, you know, first of all, suburban white liberal women in America are literally going to be the death of Western civilization. And conservative is, women, man. Like yeah, conservative but, white suburban women become liberal women when there's mean tweets. Like that's the thing. And then like, yeah, but you know, probably, think, probably a lot of them came back around and like will vote for Republicans in an off-year election. You know what yeah. I mean? But like they just – they blow where the wind blows, Greg. Like, it's not, it's, yeah, uh, I, yeah, man. At the same time, I think, you know, it depends on how Donald Trump uses Twitter because he uses, sometimes his Twitter could be his worst enemy. It could also be his, his biggest tool. You know, I think, you know, he's, he decides to, he decided to sometimes pick battles that weren't, that you didn't really need to fight. Um, but I think, you know, the biggest thing he has to do isn't even, I think, you know, prove his bona fides and anything. I think he has to demonstrate that he's going to fix the mistakes of his first term. And, you know, the biggest mistakes in terms of personnel, the people he put around him. Oh yeah. No more John Bolton's, no more Alyssa Farah's of the world. And, you know, he's got to prove that he's got to prove that he'll actually go after the, the administrative state and the deep state in a way that he didn't do in his first term. I think he needs to show, he needs to come out and say, I'm going to fire everybody as soon as I start. So that we have no more leaking problems. I think I, I'm not. I think the biggest thing, at least, conservative voters are looking for is that. But yeah, I think you know, if he uses social, like he effectively used social media 
in 2016 in a way nobody had before. So if he does that again, I think, you know, it could be his best friend. But if he, like, you know, decides to randomly tweet about Joe Scarborough killing his intern or stuff or stuff like that, that's summer, which, while hilarious and <laughs> while I find hysterical, lots of people don't. And so I think, you know, he, bloody face. I, th- I, think, I think Twitter is still his one of his biggest assets, but he has to use it in the in effect, the effective ways that he knows how to do. I mean, as funny as it is to me for him to go after a Democratic congressman's nipples for protruding on national television. <laughs> Barney Frank. Yeah. I mean, he's right. Those nipples were out of control. But it's like, yeah, I don't know if that's like the best way to like win the White House, you know. At the same yeah. time, though, at the same time, though, Trump's Twitter account is the funniest thing that has ever existed. And oh, yeah. taking it away from us was the crime of the century. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, he's was by far. I mean, he's by far the funniest politician we've ever had. Like, I, yeah. like that's like without question. Like the guy was genuinely hilarious, just on like a comedic level. Like he has an absolutely hilarious sense of humor. But it's just like it's tough, man. Like with the Trump stuff, like you know, it's no point to even talk about this yet because it's we haven't even you know we got to get through this year first. But it's like it's just I just I I don't have it's especially with like the staffing issues. You know, like he refused to fire Fauci because he didn't want the Democrats to get mad at him. It's like, bro, what? What do you what do you what do you mean? They they impeached you twice for no reason. Like they're going to be mad at you regardless. Like just fire the 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 tiny Italian yeah. tyrant. Yeah, I just don't I I don't have faith that like a, at that point a seventy what he'll be seventy seven seventy six seventy seven at the time. I just don't I don't have faith that a seventy seven year old will completely change his ways. You know, like do a, a complete about face on the way he's done business for the last you know, 55, 60 years. Yeah. Like I just don't think he has the ability to do that. I think DeSantis yeah. would be a much wiser choice. But it's like. You know, yeah, yeah but I if like, know. but if Trump want, runs, DeSantis is like, he's not, not gonna run. Yeah, he's, he's not, not going run. to. No, I know. I, I, think, I, I like, agree with you. Yeah, I agree. I think tr- like you know, he's been he spent the last two years in Mar-a-Lago, surrounded by people who praise him all the time, and I think he he has to. I think you know a lot of Republicans are going to be skeptical of him running again, but I think I think he can absolutely win though. Like I think the question of I think the people who say that Trump can't can't win are misguided because. Think of if you have an election not during a once in a century pandemic when Democrat governors are rigging the election in their states. And, you know, you know, you have this election after people had gone through three years of just absolute failure under Joe Biden. And the reason they voted for him in the first place is because he wasn't Trump. And, you know, I think his big the biggest the biggest thing he could go out and say to people is, were you better under Donald Trump or were you better under Joe Biden? And the obvious question would be Donald Trump. And yes. I think that would be a very powerful thing. And, and so I think pe- I think the conservatives who automatically, you know, just say they're not going to vote for him and because he can't win, I think are are wrong. No, that doesn't make sense at all. I mean, I'll, yeah. I'll obviously vote for him if he's the nominee, 100 um, yeah. percent. And he could absolutely win. It's just Trump. I mean, if Trump ran 10 times, he'd win five times. You know what I mean? Like, that's just because that's Donald Trump. And like the thing is, with the once in a generation pandemic, like there'll be a once in generation pandemic every four years from now on forever because the Democrats, that's just what they'll create using the corporate press. I mean, they, they did it with the, the Putin Russian collusion stuff. That was their once in a, you know, he's a the he's a Manchurian candidate. It's the Russians took over. the. It's, so it's, they're going to like make up this once in a generation crisis every four years. They're going to and not just with Trump. They'll do that with every Republican. And it, so it's like. But Trump's such a wild card, man. Like, I, I think he could absolutely win if the election was today. It, it was like him versus Joe Biden rematch right now. He'd win, obviously. Joe Biden's approval ratings at like 38%. But it's like, 
just me, just for my own like blood pressure's sake, I'd love just like a, a blowout, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I would just love like a DeSantis Biden blowout where we win forty three states and just like just <laughs> like throw the Democratic Party in just the the garbage can of history and just wipe out their hopes and dreams for a generation. Like that's what I want because that's what they deserve because they're a bunch of child grooming degenerates that need to be punished for their actions. And I would love to see somebody like something like that happen. But if and if Trump's the nominee. He may very well win, and I will vote for him, and I will endorse him on this podcast, and I will do everything I can do to get him elected. But it's going to come down to the freaking wire, man. And it's going to be like, it's going to come down to a couple swing states again, the same way it did the last two election cycles, and it's going to be stressful. And I'm like, just for my own stress levels, I'd like, I almost hope Trump doesn't run and, and somebody else does, and we can just freaking take these people out behind the woodshed and put them down where they belong man because i like that's what they like i haven't seen a political party deserve to lose like i can't i don't i can't remember like a point in history after like the 60s where a political party deserved to be eliminated as much as the democratic party does right now yeah i mean i, I after after the you know they're, they're literally a appealing they're going to court to try and force you to wear a mask on airplanes i don't know how anybody can vote for democrats again at this point <laughs> yeah yeah, man, it'll be interesting, dude. Maybe hey, yeah. we've been we've been talking for forty five minutes. Maybe we'll uh, we'll we'll log back <laughs> we'll on get, Twitter and we'll, we'll and, have to we'll, we'll have to just leave it out. Let's get through twenty twenty two first. Take no, back I, I'm just I'm Congress. just saying. I, I, you never know what'll happen when we get back on our phones. Maybe Musk bought Twitter. Trump's already on there tweeting his ass off, and <laughs> you know the whole yeah. landscape already changed. But all right, my brother, where can everybody uh, follow you online? Keep in touch and all that good stuff. Um, I'm Greg underscore price 11 on Twitter and TikTok. I've started making TikToks, which I know, I know people have said that it's Chinese spyware, but China's already everywhere and more people use TikTok than Twitter by a country mile. So I'm going to, so I've started doing that too. I don't have TikTok cause I don't want the CCP seeing all the pictures of like dead animals and stuff I kill, but, uh, <laughs> that's the best I got. Everybody follow Greg. He's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Wednesday. No gimmicks. Oh, <laughs>